3: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by... Triple
4: Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670
2: The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck.
3: Welcome into an extremely special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, or should I call it the "Faxes from Uncle Dale" cast? Like, what should we call this? Like, I haven't decided on a name. Anyway, live
0: from the Madhouse Hole.
3: <laughs> I, I like this idea. That voice you just heard belongs to not Jay Zawoski of Six Seventy The Score, who is sitting next to me, the pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, working the boards, acting like Dan Patrick to our Danette's Jay. How's your night going, buddy? Uh,
5: this is great. It's a little toasty in here. I appreciate your effort to, uh, to change that, but I am very sweaty.
3: I secured the Telemundo conference room at NBC Chicago for this extremely special podcast where we welcome the gents, the, what, the great uh, soldiers of the Chicago Blackhawks blogging community. They are some of the pioneers of this thing. They do really good work. Love them all. Sam Fells, first of all, is here tonight. The facts is from Uncle Dale Maven, the guru, the leader of this pack. Sam, welcome back to your old stomping grounds at NBC. How's it going, thank, man?
4: Thank you so much, James and Jay. The reason you are sweaty is my aura. That's true. Yes. It is not <laughs> the temperature. It is the effect I have on people, and I apologize. But deep down you kind of love it. I do. Anyway, thanks for having us, guys. This is a this is a true pleasure.
3: Yes, we are doing a massive five-way podcast today. It is truly a historic day here at the NBC Tower. Matt McClure, also from... So I keep wanting to call it the Committed Indian, and it's not. And you can, you, but it you, is no longer. People will know what yes. I'm talking they about. They will know what but you're but talking about. I apologize, Matt McClure. I keep trying to misstate who your employer is.
0: Well, the URL will still redirect
4: there.
3: <laughs> so ah, that's the important yes. thing. We're <laughs> still
0: paying Network Solutions for that, for that redirecting service. Yep. But thank you for having us, James and Jay. We really appreciate does, it. Does
3: that other blogger who uh, used the Committed Indian Indian's name? Does he have a different name? I haven't up? thought
4: about him in
0: years. I don't
4: think so. <laughs> I haven't
0: thought uh, I, about him since he told me to have a nice life. <laughs> oh. so when, I, when I called him a hack and a thief in an email. <laughs> yes, uh,
4: That is right. Um, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think it's all been put in the past. Well, that, so. I'm,
3: gl- I'm glad we were able to uh, put that to bed here. That I mean, honestly,
4: not... if he was ripping us off, then when we drop the name, he has to drop the name as well. That's, like, what, I, like, see, yes, that's so. what I thought
3: was going to happen, but apparently... I was wrong, and I learned something new today. Glad and, to help. Oh, and finally, we do have a fifth wheel on this uh, <laughs> crazy train of Blackhawks podcasting. I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Fifth feather, John, is here. John, please introduce yourself to the good people. And once again, please explain how to say your last name, because I suck and don't remember. Oh,
2: hello, first of all. <laughs>
3: good work. Uh, last name is Fontias. And very happy to be
2: here as well. Jay and I shared a lovely moment at the draft two years ago. We did the Yokoharu draft, and I'm just really happy to be in his presence again.
3: <laughs> That's so lovely. I, I I almost feel bad that we're ultimately going to end up yelling at each other. And I
2: just wish teeth. Jay
3: was closer. He's so far away. <laughs> I can to- I can see everything from here. <laughs> yeah. To kind of like lay this out for everybody, the four of us are all sitting at a conference table and then Jay's at his own desk.
5: Well, the, the table you supplied very kindly from NBC has uh, a dual outlets on the middle of the table, but they're not plugged into anything. They're just sort of hanging <laughs> flaccidly under the table. So they're not useful. So I had to go to, a, to an outlet. I would love to be snuggled in close with you guys right now. I really would.
4: Yes. you Speaking you, of hanging flaccidly. Right, well,
5: ah! as you can see, as usual, I have the shortest cord.
3: Ah, so. yeah, see, you deliberately did that because you wanted to be away from the rest of us. Correct. But it's okay, Jay, because we're here to talk about the 2018-19 Chicago Blackhawks, oh, and good. we made basically no effort to plan this thing. This is going to be a free-flowing conversation, thoughts about the team, thoughts about the future, et cetera, et cetera i think the thing we need to do to start off here is when you look back say five years from now on this season what is the first thing you're going to think of about the 2018-19 chicago blackhawks we'll go ahead and start with jay since he's acting like the king on his throne over there we'll uh, <laughs> throw it to him first
5: I'm just doing the work, man. This guy's always taking shots at me for like doing the podcast. No respect, Jay. No very, respect. Very sorry. See,
3: okay, he gets mad at me for calling him a star, and then he gets mad at me for like being sarcastic about it. Which is it, Jay? It's both. Pick, pick a lane, bro.
5: Um. Anyway, I, I said it all year on this podcast, and I know it's it's uh it's a strange place to be when you fell so short. And uh, even though you had a career year from Taves and a career year from Kane, 40 goals from Dabrinkit, a contribution from Corey Crawford, uh, I actually enjoyed the season. I enjoyed watching the team. I thought they were exciting. I thought they were fun. Um, And the dilemma we all had was, do you try to make the playoffs or do you try for the great draft pick? They did both, which is so unlikely, <laughs> but it does ease the pain of that. Like I was in conflict with myself all year of, I know this team's not good. They're doing it with smoke and mirrors. The defense is terrible. The pel- the penalty kill sucks. You know, uh, Eric Gustafson is not what he is. And you could say that for a number of guys who had good seasons this year, but I was just, I don't know. I, I found it exciting. And now that they've landed the third pick anyway, I don't feel so conflicted anymore because when they didn't make it, I said, well, you know, when we did our season's end podcast, it was like, this is the worst possible scenario.
0: This is, this is sounding like the closest thing to like Catholic absolution <laughs> that, you, that you'll probably come to anytime soon, yeah. Jay.
5: Well, I am very Catholic uh recovering Catholic, but yes, I've same here. I, it's been that, a lifelong I, struggle. That, that's how I was able
0: to sniff it out on you <laughs> yeah for sure. um for me, taking away uh all the same things, I guess there's a little bit more frustration on my part in that now that the foundational pieces are all over thirty, that they wasted all of that this year, and they're even though they are they do have the third pick coming back in return for whatever this season was there's no guarantee you're going to recreate what they got offensively like it's it's seriously impressive that they had 335 goal scorers and you know it, a hall of famer setting a career high in points not even in the year he won an art ross and they were nowhere near the playoffs and like Sam when you wrote at the end of the year they were, what, eighth in goals scored. Everyone ahead of them made the playoffs easily, mm-hmm. and about five teams below them made it relatively easily. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, you know, there there is cause for optimism, but at least looking back on it right now, you know, there there's that level of frustration because you're seeing, you know, one-line teams in the playoffs, and – the Blackhawks arguab- arguably had some of the deepest scoring in the West, and the numbers bear that out, and they couldn't do a damn thing with it.
4: Yeah, I, I want to echo a little bit what, what Jay said, that the season was entertaining exactly how you said, but it was also entertaining comedically because <laughs> he says, like, well, he, we had this debate all year. Should they go for the playoffs? Should they just worry about the draft pick? And then you said they ended up doing both. But they ended up doing both through no fault of their own. Correct. Like yeah. They only competed for the playoffs because the conference was so bad. They only got the draft pick because the balls felt that way, if you'll excuse the expression. I mean, they honestly didn't pick a lane. They didn't pick a direction. They don't know how to pick a direction. And they kind of ended up with everything.
5: <laughs> it's funny, though. With the deadline, by doing literally nothing, that was kind of an acknowledgment of – we kind of know what's going on here we know that we're not that great we know that this competitive thing we're showing lately is not what it appears to be I think Bowman is smart enough to realize that they weren't going to do shit in the playoffs.
4: I'm not convinced. because, like, You're not convinced
5: <laughs> that they would not have done shit or that Bowman didn't know? Bowman didn't but, know okay. because
4: the message all year was we're a playoff team. We think we're a playoff team. So are they lying or did they actually think this was a playoff team? I think they're
5: lying because I think when you fire Q, you have to send that message of, well, we did this because we believe this team's better than they were playing. They were waiting for a chance to fire Q. We right. all know that. And if they say that in the press conference that we believe this is a playoff team and Collin makes us one, they've got to stay on message all year. But if they really believe that and did nothing at the deadline, then that's just a huge failure. So I don't know. I think they were I think they're smart enough to know just based on you know the past 10 years of their overall body of work. They knew that this team was not even if they got in the first round.
3: We're going to jump into uh, some thoughts on Jeremy Colleton. I know you've got thoughts. Yes. I know you do, but I want to hear from John first on no, his I, I uh, kind of just, reflections of the season. I want to give him an opportunity it's nice to, to hear say
2: Jay that. Jay and I on the same side. <laughs> okay. Because Sam and I have had this argument all year and during the podcast, and then Sam twists my words around to the point where I'm just like, yes, I'm, I agree with you, Sam. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, no, I think that, that, you know, going back to, James, your question at the beginning um you know looking back five years from now what we'll remember from the season I think this will be pretty forgettable in the scheme of things I think the one thing that's always going to jump out is the year this was the year that they canned Quenville 15 games in or whatever mm-hmm. that'll be the thing that I think everybody remembers from it um and then I think beyond that it'll be you know to kind of coming into his own acquiring Dylan Strom which I think was probably if you have to do a top five acquisitions of Stan Bowman, I think it's definitely in the top three. I think that was just an incredible trade that they made. Not only that, but getting Perlini as well. My guy.
3: I, I, I still think trading
2: away Brandon Manning and getting anything for him well, and that's the could other one potentially one yeah. be up there, Kajula too. Kajula was a great acquisition to get somebody like that that you can slot up and down the lineup. I think really when... Again, as I'm talking it out because this is what we do. <laughs> uh, it's therapy for us. Yes, yes. It's every post we on podcast. couches now, this by is, the way. This is, you know, this will be the year I think where you kind of saw the pieces start to come together. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that'll be that's another part of the season. Was I mean, you get you you got pieces like Strom, you got Cajula, you got Perlini, you got three forwards that you can slot up and down your lineup now. That you didn't have at the beginning of the year, all for Nick Schmaltz and Brandon Manny.
4: I'm, I'm going to let you have it because we have this argument all the time. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, we don't know what Brandon, Perl- Brandon Perlini is, but we've had that argument, so let's leave it. We don't want to invade their no. podcast. <laughs> <totally>. Invade. <laughs> I want to hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs>
3: We definitely have talked extensively about the decision to drop Joel Quenville. Obviously, that was the big story of the season. I know Patrick Kane setting career highs and points. That's something that we'll look back on and go, good God, he did that for that team that had no business being in the playoff hunt, and yet they somehow were dragged to that point, whether it be by the Western Conference being terrible or every guy on the team seemingly having a career year, that's going to be all well and good. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, this season is going to have been about Joel Quenville getting fired ending a decade in charge of this team and us all pulling our hair out anytime he decided to pull the slot machine lever on the line changes like we're we're gonna miss that stuff a little bit I think and then I long for those problems now (laughs) (laughs) but now we come to Jeremy Colleton (laughs) who has had what 67 games now in charge of the team I think he's done some interesting things offensively, made some interesting strategic decisions in terms of how he was using guys like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, vastly drawing back Brent Seabrook's minutes, something Joel Quindle never quite seemed willing to do. But Jeremy Colliden was willing to do it. The big question now, for me at least, is can this guy coach defense at all? Like, yeah, he didn't really have the horses to do it this season, But is he going to be able to do it when he does, theoretically, have the horses? And since Sam has spoken so much on this topic, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and go against every bit of good judgment in my head and go to him first.
4: (laughs) Well, at first, I would disagree with you about Quinville and Seabrook, because Quinville actually scratched Seabrook. At a point last year, which
0: furthermore he did put him on chemo babysitting duty <laughs> right. in 2015 um, in the uh, on the third pair. So the idea That's that the point. idea
4: that Quinville was somehow babying or coddling Seabrook, I don't think it's true. I think um, Colliden, we had the cachet to do it. Too. Right, Colliton didn't for myriad reasons, probably because but one of which they actually played together, and he is a is an ally that Colliton desperately needed. Um, Honestly, the answer is incomplete. I don't know what Jeremy Colladin can do. He fixed the power play. John and I have talked about this. I can't dismiss that. Like they, he turned the power play not only into just a useful unit, but he turned it into an all-world a good one unit for at least forty games, which saved their season. Can he co- My main issue with Colliton is I know he wants to play this man-to-man system, which. I honestly don't think it's as big a switch as they want you to believe it is, or anyone thinks it is. But it's, they d- they don't have the quick bodies up and down the lineup and, to do well, it. Well, and it goes on from that because he didn't adjust it at any time. They don't have the speed to play this. They should have been sagging off. They should have played that really boring, more towards that boring Tortorella sink to the middle block shots thing because they they just kept getting beat. And in this system. People get when people when one guy gets beat, the whole thing collapses. And, and it happened a lot. And it happened a mm-hmm. lot.
0: Now No, we were watching Connor Murphy out at the blue line <laughs> we chasing were, cycling forwards from right. a high and just and absolutely losing our minds. Now, right.
4: if you're developing a young team, yes, you stick to the system like look, these guys are gonna get it or they're not, but this is what we're gonna play. But there were no demon on his roster that you're quote-unquote, trying to develop. Yuki Haryu was in Rockford, or he was in Vancouver for the World Juniors.
3: How dare you besmirch uh, Slater Cuckoo <laughs> right. like that.
4: So if you're trying to win games or or not, you have this defense you have to adjust for, and they never adjusted for it. And even their forwards aren't all that quick. They're more attuned to play this if they were interested, which most for the most part, they were not. <laughs> um, but there was no adjustment when it clearly didn't work. Now, I know the last 10 games... The numbers look a little better, but you have games against teams that are already playing for the playoffs. You have games against teams that are already on the golf course. So I don't know how much of a, um, how much that sample really means. So I am not encouraged by mostly what I've seen from Jeremy Colleton. I think he's a great quote, which is why everyone in the press wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I'm. And he's quite foxy. And he's quite (laughs) foxy, and he wears really nice glasses. glasses, Yeah. Yeah, uh, which you're sporting uh, tonight for those who can't see, which is everyone. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, when he gets an actual blue line, and we don't know that it'll be September, uh, could be two years from now, um, then we'll get our answer. But to me. We have no idea, and and that's scary. And I and I want to go. I like that the Hawks went outside the box; that they didn't just hire some retread. They want a guy with some new ideas. Daryl Sutter. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't know if this is the guy. I just don't, and we won't, and we might not for a while.
5: Yeah, I I think one of the things that that encouraged me, and and this, um, it's going to sound like a complete disagreement with you, and it's not. Um, I think he did a good job. Where Quenville would take a piece he liked and jam it in the slot, whether it fit or not. I think Cowan, for the most part, individually anyway, found ways to get the most out of most of the guys on a roster. And you saw um, Tays and Kane career years. We know Kane was one of the first guys to buy in on Cowan, which is hugely important. But when he lets him do whatever he wants, yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly.
0: I mean,
4: that's that's the point, though. Is that buy-in, or is that hey, this guy lets me play twenty-four minutes a night? I mean, but see, I don't get.
5: I've never gotten the impression from Kane that he is totally on board with just playing his ass off all the time. There's been a lot of moments where we've seen him clearly not interested in, in. the other three quarters of the ice you <laughs> yes, know clearly. and
0: uh well his his line mates i mean you get basically two opportunity if it's a new line mate you get two opportunities where he passes you the puck and if you miss either both of them you're not getting a third <laughs> right. right
5: but it, but i think my bigger point with kane is if he was not bought in we would know and it would it show it would look like duncan keith and it would it would, it would be horrible <laughs> you'd see him with his head down you'd see him skating half speed you'd see him visibly frustrated on the, the old uh Jay Cutler body language thing is something we do see now. And <laughs> please, again. please don't start. But it's with but <laughs> it's but K- Kane has it. But he's but he's great. Right. So it's it's more acceptable when he's scoring, you know, forty goals, one hundred and ten points, whatever. And uh okay, now and again he shows some frustration. He gets away with that. But so I don't know if he's the kind of guy who I have to play every minute, every minute. I just think f- based on what what we know about the Hawks D, which is very little as currently constructed, the the two most important guys on the blue line are Adam Boquist and Henry Okaharyu, which we know nothing about truly at this point. So based on what he was able to get out of this team, I'm encouraged. I'm not saying he's the next Joel Quinville or anything like that, but I, I'm more optimistic than pessimistic if I have to pick if I'm gonna jump a line, it's gonna be optimistic.
3: I did appreciate that you uh mentioned something that Sam had said where individually it seemed like he was willing to kinda You know, be more kind of fit, but then collectively, he wanted you to play the system no matter if the pieces could actually do it or not. I thought that was a really good uh, point by Sam. It appears as though the fifth feather has some (laughs) thoughts for
2: us. No, I mean, I think with Colleton, we've been going back and forth the whole year, and I'm willing to give him a training camp, let him get acclimated to the whole team, and then go and then kind of make a judgment. I think to uh, he was thrown into a totally. Crazy situation. Um, so I, I think Sam and I are kind of on the same page, but then Jay and I are also on the same page here. <laughs> You're everybody's friend. You're Switzerland, bro. Am. You're America's friend. <laughs> I am. Uh, I, I think you know. I'm I'm leaning more towards optimistic. I think he gets certain things. I think there's room for improvement, certainly on the defensive end, and that's really the biggest need for the Hawks right now is defense. So it'll probably look pretty clearly or pretty, be pretty evident early on whether next season, whether there's buy-in or, mm-hmm. you know,
3: what, what type of coach he is. This does bring up an interesting point with the roster construction and the decisions that they're going to have to make this offseason. How secure, in you guys' opinion, is Stan Bowman's job at this point? Oh, is he is he he complete he's completely secure uh, yes yes there's no question he he is locked in yeah see even if they completely suck next year every acquisition's a bust whatever it is there's no circumstance in which you can see them potentially now you're going yeah
2: that's extreme i think (laughs) well
3: is it though like Like, if um, everything's a bust then yeah and then like because you guys you guys have brought it yourself or brought it up that there is a very strong possibility Jonathan Tabes is not going to produce at the offensive level that he produced at this season. There is a strong chance that other guys who produced at a high level, I highly doubt Dylan Strome is going to be a point-per-game player next season, which he almost was when he he came over from the Blackhawks. (laughs) I'm just saying there is a possibility that he won't be. And so if those kind of things start to happen and this team really kind of hits the skids and goes down your is stan bowman is there any risk at all that he could get
4: let me i think what john's saying is his job's secure through 2019 but if we get to new year's day 2020 and they're languishing and they're not supposed to be because we don't know that this isn't a (laughs) three-year rebuild that they've planned um if the team's goals are to be a playoff team next year and i would imagine they have higher goals than that and they're still languishing then I think Stan Bowman's job would be in trouble. But they've clearly bought into whatever plan he has. Well, I'm sorry, not like, a plan. Again, they a process. Have plan. Um, there's no plan. It's a process. But I mean, I don't know how things run over there. The only thing I know that happens over there is construction workers yell at John McDonough and he bullies his employees. So I don't know that <laughs> that that there's that Stan Bowman has gone to McDonough and gone to Rocky and said, here's what I'm going to do to rebuild this team after the Predators series after last year. I don't know when or if that meeting took place, but if it did, they've clearly bought into what he has laid out. Um, so he certainly gets this draft. He gets this free agency period. He gets the start of next season. But if they're as bad and not intentionally so or worse than they were this year, then I think his seat would get awfully, awfully warm.
5: Well, and he has basically said that they will be active in free agency. So now we learn, are they still a destination? Um, because it seemed like last summer they weren't. They were talking like, oh, there might be some moves made. But then looking in hindsight, like, well, clearly these moves were made to set up Quindle to fail. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, he completely got sandbagged. And I think
0: this summer, really in free agency, if you go to look at Capgeek or whatever, it's ugly. Yeah. Like I, I was, I am Sam today. I'm like, please God, don't have ugly sharp Jordan Eberle come here, <laughs> especially for the seven or eight million dollars that he's going to command. Cause ugly of, sharp, I like cause that. Because if because <laughs> if Panarin's going to get ten or eleven, and they don't need, our Panarin? He's fun. He's a hood ornament. Like he, like there, there's so much structurally wrong, and so much wrong with the defensive personnel. There's one signing you can make and that's Eric Carlson, that completely changes things. And Sam and I have had arguments about this, and whether the the two of them agree to it or not, Taves and Kane, they have had it set up for a while where they are your highest-paid players. They were set up to be the highest-paid players in the league, and I think that there is an unwritten or just an undercurrent of... Over there at 1901, no one gets paid more than 19 or 88, and that's going to be a problem if you want to get Eric Carlson here, because even yeah. at 27 or 28, and with his groin falling off now, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna not command, look
4: good last night. He's, he's, yeah, he's, so. he's
0: going to command about 12 or 13, and I just I, whether or not those two agree to it or not, I think that that's sort of the threshold that has set there because well, there have been other things that they could go after but you'd have to pay them at that
5: level and whether we're talking about carlson or panarin or whatever i hesitate to put 33 million dollars in three players hands that's not a recipe for success with a hard cap it's just not and i know carlson's great and i know he's the kind of guy that can change things right away but unless you're moving out
4: no, no, I think um, I – see, Jay, I, I kind of disagree with you there because I think you do, and then you just kind of rotate the pieces around. Yeah. You have Malkin, Letang, and Crosby, and then you keep you keep rolling the dice until you get it right, and then you win two cups, and then you roll the dice again, and you're out in the first round in a sweep. Like, I, I think quality wins in this league, and if you want to build an army of $5 million players, that's fine. I mean, that's I guess that's what Vegas has done, but they got to start from scratch. Um, and they're throwing
0: they $9.5 at Mark Stone now for right. reasons unbeknownst I, to anybody. I will <laughs> agree
4: with you on this, Jane. I think this is part of what you're getting at is they say they want to spend money, but I don't want to see them spend money just for the sake of spending money to look active. This is not a very good free agency class. Uh... As we said, Jordan Eberle doesn't do a lot for me. Matt Duchesne doesn't do a lot for me. I know there's a part of them that really wants to sign Ryan Zingle so they can flash their local guy neon sign uh, oh, at Scoreboard. But, God. like, there is not a lot out there. There are a couple pieces. Carlson's obviously one that we've mentioned. There's a couple RFAs if they really want to get creative. But I, I, I think part of what you're getting Especially at
0: Especially with Vegas already being capped out. Right. with that uh, Overcommitted with that uh, Stone thing. William Carlson doesn't have new paper yet. Like, right. That's something I, you could get aggressive with.
4: If I can read the tea leaves, which John hates, but we've been doing all year, yeah, it, there, there's no point in spending money just to spend money just to prove that you can. But, you know, I to me, if if they decided Eric Carlson was something they wanted, that's a generational player. You only get one or two cracks at a player like that in a decade um, and you do that, and then you worry about the rest of it later. You have all this young talent on the blue line to go with him that you've been bleeding on about all year to make your fans feel better. So, yeah, you might have a $12 million defenseman, but you're supposed to have two or three defensemen making eight hundred and fifty grand who are supposed to be pretty good. And that's for two or three years. And honestly, this team doesn't have to worry about four years down the line, five years down the line. They're going to blow five years down the line no matter what. Like, really, all this team needs to be worried about is winning or competing for one more cup in the next two, three to four years. And then after that, everyone leaves anyway. If you think Stan Bowman's going to hang around for a total rebuild, I'm sorry. He's out of here. So – I mean, I, I get what you're saying, putting that much money in that small amount of players does seem like a little unwise. But I honestly I think that's how you do it these days.
5: Well, I, I just go back to when they are winning those cups all those years ago, it seems um, they just had, especially in 13, just overwhelming depth of, you know, draft picks that came through and veterans they brought in and they brought in some guys for, for less money to play very specific roles and the way the Blackhawks beat you was if the first line didn't score, then the second line scored. And if the first and second didn't score, then the third line scored, and so on and so on. And if Seabrook and Keith didn't shut you down, then Jalmerson and Oduya would. And it was just on and on and on with the depth. But you had prime Jonathan Taves, prime Jonathan, uh, Patrick Kane, prime ish Marion Hosa and Keith and prime, Seabrook, Keith and Seabrook yeah. which but is that, five argue, th- arguable, well four all, all four, making,
4: four making and less and a half money than they're making that, right now that depth was all homegrown. it was all well Boland was making more money than he should have but <laughs> you know Kruger wasn't making much Shaw wasn't making much he is when now. Bickle was upright he he that was before Bickle got paid um you know I, I'm trying to remember the whole Victor Stalberg Stolb- was making nothing. He was a he was a bargain pickup. Sky Point Victor <laughs> Um, you know, Nick Letty had only signed a bridge deal at that point. Okay, he wasn't a system product. Nicholas Jalmerson wasn't making a huge amount of money.
5: You're right, though. You can't sign that kind of depth, right? Especially with this yeah. free agent class. You're right. I just and so, could... then a
0: hard cap league too, like with the cap relatively stagnant every team has gotten more top heavy and depth has eroded league wide to me. That's why it's come back to being more of a goalie league Right to where you do have, you do have some bums floating around on a lot of fourth lines and to, and this goes to a, a whole, like a global league wide thing, but like for as much as, you know, everything that's going on with, You know, the Islanders and with the Jackets right now, and as fun as, especially as much fun as all the reporters had with Vegas last year, Hall of Famers generational talents hoist the cup. Right. And no matter how much everyone wants to say it's an upset league, anything can happen, look at every, since the cap, every team, with the exception of very weird Carolina year, has got Hall of Famers up and down those rosters. And Tavo. if, if yes. <laughs> yes, indeed, he he dropped Tom Wilson like a bag of hammers the other night. <laughs> Thank
3: God, but that that is King Clancy nominee Tom Wilson to you. Yeah, I mean Matt's right though. We could
4: talk about the 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 nameless foot soldiers of Vegas. So they ran into Oshie, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and Holtby. Yep. All prime talents. All the best he I mean, might not
0: be a Hall of Famer, but he's got two Vesna finalists right. to him. He's yeah. got Holby, one win.
4: The Hol- Holby is a Vesna winner. That's that's one of the best five goalies in the league. Um, and they were done. It was five games. It wasn't even that close. Uh, so I think you get the top end, and you worry about the rest later.
3: So if you if you were Stan Bowman this offseason, you are targeting Eric Carlson then. Just uh, Absolutely, okay. but
4: that's for my own personal enjoyment because I, <laughs> he's one of my favorite players in the league. But he's the only free agent on defense, you unrestricted free agent, mm-hmm. who immediately makes a difference. The only
3: guy who's going to make a seismic shift in this roster. There literally is nobody else. Yeah. I think that's who you back the Brinkstruck up for. Mm-hmm. Now bringing that up, we're going to go a little bit closer time-wise than free agency. <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the NHL drafts. I know we do have some thoughts on this, all of us do. Jay's signaling to me that he wants to take a break. No, so, let's
5: take a little time out. We'll yeah, come back, and we'll wrap we'll, up we'll with some We'll take a breather. Talk.
3: Sam will towel off. He's very uh, very sweaty right now from all of his uh, opinion giving. You so. look confused.
5: James is just the shot master. He'll just, he'll just pick a target. I, and I
3: learned it from Fels. He's, he's good at taking shots at people, so I had to... Throw in a little zinger here and there. So, yes, we will take a break. We will come back. We'll talk about the NHL drafts. get some more thoughts on just kind of the state of the Chicago Blackhawks. And this is the mad, maddest of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcasts
1: menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best.
3: Welcome back into this crazy full edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are joined by the gentlemen from Faxes from Uncle Dale, and they are giving us a lot of really interesting things to talk about, as we kind of assumed that they would, making me very happy. So now what we're going to do is we're going to continue the fun times by talking about the NHL draft. And we were all worried that the Blackhawks were going to get stuck with like the 12th or 13th pick, and it'd be some no-name schlub from Finland, and we'd have to pretend like we knew what we were talking about and then all of a sudden the NHL rigged the draft lottery gave the Blackhawks the third pick and caused the heads of NHL fans everywhere to explode so now that they've done that the question is what direction are they going with the pick are they going to go with one of the forwards that are available your cousins your docs your excuse me, your Turcots, or are they going to go with the defenseman? And who wants to go first? Anybody want to jump on this grenade? Go ahead, Biff Beather. This is
2: obviously something I've spent a lot of time thinking about. (laughs) Yes. So the third (laughs) overall pick, I mean, really winning the lottery, which is what they did, it's changed the whole offseason. I think if you look at what the Hawks need, um, big picture, I think their biggest two needs are a young number one center and a – young number one defenseman i think those when that? you look at their yeah <laughs> <laughs> well when you look at like if you're building out the team uh and and the pieces that are already in place in terms of the strom strome you got these younger players that they're kind of bringing in boquist yoki Haru. you none of those guys really project it like a number one uh defenseman number one center um so and really the only place you can get that is in the draft and winning the lottery and and getting the third pick, granted, Sam has made the joke, you know.
4: Second the Hawks, time. Yeah,
2: the, the second time the Hawks have gotten the third pick in the two-player draft. <laughs> but I think at the third pick, there's a lot of value. And I just I, – I go back and forth in terms of what I think that they should do with the pick in terms of whether they go for Byram. Or they go for cousins. I we, think
4: we should be clear. Byron is the defenseman and yes. cousins is yeah.
2: the By the way, me- that's gonna confuse meatballs everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be calling him Byron Bowen and Bowen Byron and whatever whatever his name is, it's gonna be wrong. Right. Um but yeah, I think it's such an interesting and An interesting yeah <laughs> an interesting uh time in Blackhawk's history. Like there's so many different directions that they can go and it's all because of this number three pick that they have. <laughs> and I just I, I go back and forth as to what they should do with it. I know Matt is team trade. Just launch the pick and get whatever you can for it. I'm kind of every day I switch. Today I'm I, I want them to go for cousins. I think you build out the center, you get the center and then you use uh you just build up your
3: defense that way. Mr. McClure wants to react to what you just said, and I'm going me, to allow it. Let, let President
0: McClure clarify his stance <laughs> on this. Um, I am Team Trade, but whether that include whether that means the pick or one of the assets after sort of superseding your depth chart with what you're picking right now. So, where if you take Byram or who's the? I know you and I were talking. Sam and I were talking. Who's the Swedish kid that's like? 64 and 210 and can move yeah <laughs> um whether you're doing that and i because it to me it all has to be focused on the blue line and you whether i want them to be aggressive in the trade market because as we talked about there's just simply not much you can go out and buy in unrestricted free agency so I think that when whether you give up the number 3 pick as an asset in and of itself and we'll see how stuff moves up and down draft boards. I mean again, we discussed during the the downtime that following NHL draft with children is borderline creepy. So like <laughs> it's a cursory, it's a cursory, you know, evaluation of all these players at best that we have. But we we know that the top two players are going to be Jack Hughes and Capo Caco, who I apparently poisoned Sam's mind, and I will now yours too, Jay, by only saying that in Borze's voice.
4: <laughs> you can't you can't escape it now.
0: <laughs> Just Capo Caco.
4: <Kapo>, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we know that those are the obvious one and two, and then it, it, the as as all of the you know Canadian talking heads when they're not busy praising alexander ovechkin for ending a child's life (laughs) have said that the draft really starts at three with the hawks and they they do have a lot of options and again bringing this back to the stan bowman job security discussion earlier having the number three pick kind of
5: resets the clock on him also Mm. it's you brought up a good point john when you talked about the need for number one center and i think if you were to draft cousins at this point it gives you the opportunity to develop your future number one center as your three. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to force him into that number one role. Yep. Uh, I think if you draft Byram, you're putting immediate pressure on him to either contribute immediately or in just a year and be a really important part of the team right away. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty rare with defensemen. Look, we've seen the Hall of Fame career of Duncan Keith I know a lot of people missed it when he came up. His first year or bad.
1: two,
2: <laughs> it, was, it was real bad. It wasn't
5: just bad. I, I recall saying, this kid can't play. Yeah. He couldn't stay on his feet. He couldn't defend. He couldn't do anything. It takes even the very, very best defenseman two, three years to get to even close to their prime level.
4: Well, I I will say, and look, I'm not going to tell you I've seen Byron play, but everything I read about him is that he is a unique defensive prospect and a lot of scouts are saying he can step into the nhl right now that doesn't mean he should but he is the rare prospect who you could draft could step in now maybe he's not on your top pairing immediately although you know this year mira (laughs) heiskanen didn't seem to have much problem with it uh although in a very defensive system and for the
5: record i'm leaning byram i think i want them to i mean that's the Mm -hmm.
4: way i'm going but i'm i think john's right and I, i i mean i Maggie Johnson's right about Howard Johnson being right. (laughs) You guys both have a point. I mean, like, it's a unique position because I think there is much more urgency about the next next season than they might or that you guys might. Like, I think they kind of have to compete for a playoff spot. But then again, I'm not sure why I think that because what's going to happen if they don't? Are they going to lose season tickets? Are they going to stop selling out the building? It sure doesn't look like it. Uh, their TV ratings couldn't be worse anyway, so what? What you know? where is the urgency on this? But yeah, this number three pick has changed it. They do have a chance to get their number one center or number one D-man of the future, which is not in the system currently, not in college currently, that under their name. So they might have to do it and know that it's not going to affect the team for at least a year because, quite honestly, they're not going to win the lottery again, and I can't see them being bad enough to be a top three pick naturally. Like, even if they rolled out the same team again and Crawford's healthy, which, okay, we said this at this point last year. Right, right? <laughs> who knows. They're not. Right. They're going to finish where they did this year. They're going to be 11th or 12th. Um, so this is a unique opportunity to get that player who turns around your franchise, defines your franchise, and I don't know that they can turn it down, but I get Team Matt, and if they get an offer, they can't turn down. They should absolutely take it. At the same time, I can't remember the last time a top three pick was traded. Yeah, that's uh, I, that's the one thing I keep. Brian Barard, so, <laughs> so that Brian Burke could get the Twins. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's what, fifteen years ago, twenty. Yeah. It's been, a, been um, a while. So, and I think every other team knows this is a two-player draft. Why am I going to give up something serious mm-hmm. to get the number three? Unless some, you know, these these teams fall in love with a guy and they gotta have him. Um, but it's not like the NFL draft, like that, where they're aggressive. They just it just doesn't happen.
5: It just really sucks to have to make this pick before they know what Eric Carlson wants.
4: Mm. Well, I mean, you know what he wants. He wants the boat. Like he, well, he wants a max contract. Well, if he
5: wants the Blackhawks,
4: I think you can sound that out before you go to the draft. I think I, there are if you're any kind of an organization, you have back channels to his agent, and you find out if you can at least get in the room. Like they knew well before they couldn't even get in the room with John Tavares, right? Um, You know, so, yeah, okay, they can't say they know, but they'd better find a way to know.
3: I I like the fact with the Blackhawks here, it seems like the guys that are going to be available at number three kind of project differently than the guys that they have in their system right now, which I kind of like. Your Kirby Docks, your Dylan Cousins, your byrums those guys all project differently and play different styles than the guys that they have right now, which I like. It's not just continuing to add speedy defensemen like Adam Boquist. That's <laughs> a bunch not... of cowboys. Exactly. Yeah. You're not doing that if you take Byram. He, is a... he projects more as a top two defenseman that can play smart defensive hockey, and I like that a lot. I like that they have those options but to you guys's point i do think that there is something to be said that if they get blown away by a trade offer from somebody that they take it my question is what to you is like the absolute asking price like to give up the number three pick what do you have to get now i'm not asking for like a specific player because i think that's kind of that's a little <laughs> bit too far but what like what asset do you have to get to move that number three pick well i think it's it has to be a def- a, it has yeah, to be a right. defense it right? so like I, I, it,
2: I take a top two. This center. is like just another layer to it. Is that if they do draft Byram, well, now they're stocked with defensive prospects. So you can't play all of these kids, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, and they're not all going to pan out. So you got to your scout, you, your self scouting has to know who you can, who's going to be on the club, and who's not. So they'll they'll have something to deal. And I would think with the young defensive prospect, you would want a, a piece. of that would be so like if you take Byram now you can acquire a center so from some other team that's looking for de- defensemen that's loaded at center who the, who that team is i don't know off the top of my head mm-hmm. but that, I mean that's just a uh, another scenario that comes out of drafting Byram is that now you're stocked with defensemen and now you have uh, some pieces to trade, which is they haven't had i I would think since probably 2016. 2015, when, whenever the lad trade was. Right, the lad Dun, and the Dun, know was yeah. the last mm-hmm. piece
4: they really gave up, and. I'll give Stan this: his self scouting has been generally pretty good. Like the pieces they've lost that have gone on to table. be things, but they liked Tavo. <laughs> like I mean, Quinville yeah. didn't always, but I think it wasn't them downgrading Tavo. They're just like, we have to give this up to get rid of Bickle, which was stupid, but not Stan's fault entirely. Well, well aside, Stan you're gave him right. the contract.
5: Aside from that deal, uh, he though, he didn't. There aren't a lot of guys that got away that you that you say, oh, even Letty who was good and someone they needed, didn't go on to be an all-star. He's been a, yeah, he's, he's been, been okay, good. but,
4: like, they liked him. Like, they liked know. Like, I, I think Stan really liked That's Deneau.
5: probably the one that hurts the most. Yeah. And he's a nice player.
4: Right. Um, But, like, they knew they had to give up something to get, well, nothing, it turns out, from that trade. But, like, there's no... I can't, <laughs> Let him you know, play I, out. Let him play out. I can't think of a prospect who, like, barely scratched the surface with the Hawks that they gave up on, who then went on to be a star. There's no Dylan Strom... In Stan's closet, let's say. Like, if you want to make the Brandon Peary argument, go right ahead. Can't win it with the Wolves. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to <So>, happen. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so, I think, like, this has always been John's point for the past few years. Their amateur and self-scouting has been good. Their European scouting is great. Their pro-scouting is beyond horrible. And that's what they have to fix. Well, and
0: there's all this is where we find out, because there hasn't been a lot of pro-scouting since... The changing of the guard with the head coach right. is how much of that was placating Quenville. Right. You know, and and or sandbagging him, one or the other, <laughs> or
4: doing both. You yes. know, so and
0: and again, the you know, Florida is going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they move on from <laughs> and, now with that brain trust there because they
4: promised him same personnel decisions. So yeah, Andrew Shaw is going to be a Panther. I think we all know this. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that that will be curious to me, but. Um I you know I I've my I used to be the biggest stand defender. I the shine has come off, but I think he's dealt with some things that most GMs don't both pressure from below and above. Mm. Um so, you know, this is a this is obviously the, it's captain obvious, but this is the biggest summer for him. Um and the thing is like it would be hard for him to screw up having the third pick if they just take the best kid they like. Hey, that sets the organization forward. Mm-hmm. If they trade it and they make a good trade, that's great, too. The only way you can screw it up is really making a terrible trade or taking someone who doesn't pan out. But these days, in the top three, you know, unless it's just a terrible draft, it's hard to take someone who doesn't eventually at least contribute to your team. Jonathan Druin has died.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he,
4: he's a penis, so
3: it's, yeah. you know, <laughs>
5: A that was in the scouting report
4: for several <laughs> yeah, of the so, people in this, and I uh,
2: the one thing, read that. I think the one scenario that we had mapped out that's already been blown up in our face was hoping that Columbus was ousted in the first round and then their team basically is disbanding at the end of the year because they're all UFA right. and uh, that Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski would be available via <laughs> right. trade and then the Hawks could use the number three pick or whomever to acquire Seth Jones Well, our Hampus Wierinski. dreams are still alive. Happen, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Our Hampus dreams are still alive. I- that's your dream. That's not mine.
2: Okay, well... That's My fine.
3: dream is Seth Jones or Zach <laughs> Well, Wierinski. you can't
4: have Seth Jones. So... <laughs>
3: It's interesting you brought up Columbus because I did want to. we wanted to talk a little bit at least about playoff hockey just to kind of keep it a little bit timely, you know, give the listeners what they want, which is to talk about playoff hockey, you know, that thing that we haven't experienced in two years. So I posed a question the other day to the sports department here and got wildly different answers on it. So I'm kind of curious about this. I tried to compare the Blue Jackets sweeping the Lightning to Virginia losing to a 16 seed last year in the NCAA tournament. And I had... I had people both tell me that that is so stupid it's like four losing four in a row is way more rare blah blah blah." and other people go it's one game and it's college of course that's you know whatever but like i'm curious to see does that comparison hold water with you and how shocked were you to see the lightning lose the way that they did
4: um i was very surprised but i wouldn't compare it i mean as much fun as I made of the Jackets this year, they're still what, a 95-98 point team. What did they finish with? Somewhere around there, right? I think that's about right. So they're not an incompetent outfit or like completely overmatched. Like and this is a team that did add a lot of pieces now. 98 points. 98 mm-hmm. points. So like, okay, yeah, that's still what 20 30, 30 behind 30 on the nose, <laughs> 30 behind the lighting, but yeah. like that's, you know, so but that's still like a decent team. That can get hot for a week. Uh, it's still shocking. Uh, it still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think it breeds a lot of stupid. Um, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, it's it's hard to deco- like. Yeah, Virginia uh, losing as a one seed. It's one game, but like the resources that Virginia has to the team they lost are so different. Mm. The resources Columbus and Tampa Bay have honestly are the same. Um, so there's a lot. There's a way. Unless smaller you count gap. the
0: income tax. Right. In unless you count the income tax. <laughs> uh,
4: so there's a way smaller gap there. Uh, you know, I. We've seen this before. It's just a matter of degrees. The Hawks lost as President's Trophy winners. They've lost as number one seeds when we were kids.
0: And and I forget who pointed I believe it was uh, our friend Derek on Twitter said mm-hmm. he, it warmed his heart very much to see Steve Eisman basically on the ass end of <laughs> two of the, the most ridiculous first-round <laughs> right. ousters in right. recent right. So playoff so it's just memory. a matter of
4: degrees. Like, if they lose in five or six games, does it really matter? Um, you know, and it... A couple of those games easily could have gone the Lightning's way. Right. I mean, it's shocking, it's surprising, but like, I don't think it's anything like, oh, we've never seen this before. The only difference is is like the degrees. Like, yeah, we've never seen them get swept.
2: Right. It was a very Blackhawks-esque sweep. Yes, it was. Getting swept like last night, I think when. I- they tied the game up like they did everything in their power to tie the game at three, and then like 30 seconds 30 later, seconds. Columbus goes right down the other end, <laughs> right. puts it in the back of that, and that's it. And, right. Like, you never had a chance. That, like, that
4: was Keenan era stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like so.
2: exactly how the Hawks would lose in the first round. <laughs> yes. And and even when they got swept by Nashville, it was the same thing, they were never really in that series. And the second that they got close, Nashville would just right, zoop, Kick just into zip right away, yeah. And that's um, yeah, I, I the Tampa thing just it again, like Sam said, it breeds stupid because what's the point of this regular season? Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. what did we just watch? We just watched them dominate for 82 games, and then within a week, they're done.
4: Right. And you could play that series next week, and they'd like, sweep Columbus. Right. Like, I, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I I, think it's... I mean, I don't know. There's no way to rig a playoff system so that doesn't happen unless you... You know, it could happen if you went 1 through 16, even. Uh, it's hard. knows like, Toronto's trying. Well, God knows Toronto's trying. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, okay, you rack up 128 points. That's historic. But, like, really... The difference between these teams because of the cap because of hockey because whatever it's just it's just never that big um so even when it feels like okay if the if Tampa got to play the west eight c which is Colorado who finished with ninety points or eighty nine they they probably win that series in a walk, but yeah i don't you know I don't know if they're beating anybody. but goalie put up an eight fifty five I, I like I don't know how to get past this eight eight fifty five right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like, it's like you when the Hawks lost the Predators. everyone's like, what happened? What happened? What happened? You're just like, Renee's save percentage was 976. Like, sometimes it's just not that
3: hard, you know? Like His hip hadn't exploded yet, and he looked really
4: good. Yeah. So,
3: um, Jay, do you have thoughts? No, just that? the
5: surprising thing was just how generationally great that Tampa team seemed in a regular season. And then, look, Columbus is scrappy as hell. And while I wouldn't pick them to win the Stanley Cup, they've got some horses to do it they've got a really good goalie they've got some star players it'd be a huge upset but i think on paper before that it didn't seem unreasonable what they put up a fight right right I mean, you yeah. could see it being a series right and, and so i think when you do the one versus 16 thing it's pretty unreasonable most of the time that the 16 would even put up a fight against a team that good mm-hmm. these are <laughs> professionals they're you know they they play in the same league with the same t- type
4: of players just wait till columbus beats toronto Oh, yeah. That'd be really fun. Well, and
0: this brings up a larger point too. With that, and then also the Islanders' uh, sweep of the Penguins to me is, and that one just that's the Penguins running out of gas and. When Barry Trotz knows he's outgunned, you know you're going to run into landmines, and they just they they don't have the energy anymore. But Sam and I were talking about this today, where you've got you had this complete offensive renaissance this year with, you know, a lot of it had to do with the resized goalie pads and with everyone getting faster and everything, but. You've seen two teams that were unabashedly trapping now sweep their way into the second round,
4: and Dallas is tied with the one seed or the you know Nashville now. Like they do that too. Like they pattern it after the Islanders. They've said as much. Um, so I I think that would be bad for the league, but it you know it's winning, so you can expect to see more teams doing it. I mean, and
0: ultimately, you again. It- you have to have a goalie to make it stand up. Eight fifty-five is eight fifty-five. Right, <laughs> right. But, um, but and still, I,
4: my overwhelming thought, Matt and I have talked about this at length the past week. I just think these playoffs have been trash, and it's not—it's all not only because of the trapping teams winning and making the games boring, but you know, I. I you know I always make this comparison. I probably make it too much, but you know the NBA playoffs start, and all everyone talks about when they watch the NBA is look at the game Giannis had, or look at Lou Williams lighting up Golden State. Look at these performances. Look, you know how much fun is this? And when the NHL playoffs start, all we talk about, well, who got suspended? Who didn't get suspended? Who bludgeoned who? Who's the teenager lying onto the ice unconscious while the other team slaps their stick on the boards? That's a great look for the sport. <laughs> like it's just like all this like. Posturing and manly bullshit. I've had enough of it. Like, I, I want the NHL playoffs to be passionate, and I want them to be physical. Of course, they do. I don't. I, I don't want to be labeled with that, but it's gotten it's gotten absolutely ridiculous. That game two between Toronto and Boston was nothing short of an embarrassment, mm. and it should never have gotten to that. It and should have gotten t- to Nazem Kadri right. doing what he did, and right. like Joe Thornton's hit that he got this, but that's ridiculous. Like a player like Joe Thornton, that should never even dawn on him to do that, and they all do it. And the, and the league is too frightened of Don Cherry, you know, barking out an anth- you know, about whatever rule changes they make or discipline they hand out because they think that's their fan base, and it is their fan base, but it will remain their only fan base yeah. until they do something about it. Well,
5: sorry, and you, you mentioned Boston and Toronto. Those are your two biggest draws in the playoffs right now. Right. As far as nationally, they're your two highest profile teams. It was on teams, NBC. And that, that's the game people see. And while people might pretend that that's what people want – it's not. No. They want to see spectacular plays, great passing, great puck movement, awesome goals, huge saves. That's what makes hockey great. And guys punching the shit out of each other <laughs> and uh board, and you have after <laughs> really Every good Every star player like Nazem Kadri, not a star. Nazem Kadri is a really good player who at least are unquestionably better with in the right. lineup. You don't need him suspended for the rest of the round. You don't need Joe Thornton suspended. These are some of the faces of your league. And instead of, like you said, seeing that incredible Joe Thornton pass from behind the net, you're seeing a suspendable hit. Right. You know, and, and that's it's such a bad look. The league cannot get out of their own way on this crap. And it's frustrating. And yeah, people are going to say, you guys are soft. You're trying to. Great guilty
3: right i'm sorry i can I want wear the- it how yeah. dare us want great players I w- to make great
5: plays? yeah i would like the sport i love the most to actually have an impact where people see it and care about it where people know who the hell players are who wait are we doing talking it? about
3: hockey or baseball who <laughs> was
5: doing it uh both truthfully who was doing the man on the street going around asking people who was who connor mcdavid was it was I forget what it was. It was There's like a some, Twitter was it the Kings. Even. I think it was the LA Kings pregame, mm-hmm. and they just went out in the street like, "Do you know who Conor McDavid is?" And oh, is that the idea. UFC guy? Is <laughs> right, everybody? Right. Yeah, no one had any clue. And I know it's LA, mm. but you could do that if you walked outside this building, NBC Tower, right now, and asked fifty people who Conor McDavid is. Who? How many would know? Two? Three? Maybe. And that is a generational... <laughs>
4: Despite that being the Hawks marketing campaign this year. <laughs> Come see Connor McDavid. Come see that guy you never
5: heard of. You're right.
4: Yeah. Well, and,
0: and I believe too, that about seven, eight years ago, there was a, a Twitter uprising of people showing non-hockey fans and people who aren't online. Phil Kessel's like roster mugshot and saying, "What does this man do for a <laughs> yeah, living?" And I was like, "I, you know, IT guy, you know, encyclopedia salesman, <laughs> yeah,
1: right. assistant manager at a
0: Burger King, kind of thing." But by the Phil needs to be in March fatness next year.
5: <laughs> oh, that is a huge oversight on my
4: part. That's okay. I'll, you I'll, get another I'll, chance. I'll, I'll remind really you.
0: And and the the thing to me that was that was the most embarrassing look over the past few days is. The Ovechkin Svechnikov fight. Like, first of all, it's absolutely just, it's it's batshit that 19 year old, 78 pound Svechnikov feels the need to actually try to agitate, you know, 6'3, 235 pound. Swing momentum. Hall of, Hall, of, Hall of Famer Alexander Ovechkin. And Ovechkin comment that just dropped him. He had concussion arms. Like it was scary. Yeah, looking. It was scary and universal praise from everyone involved on it. Despite the fact that this kid is clearly hurt and it what he was, he had completely misguided energy in doing so. And you take one of the most prolific shooters and scores in the history of the game. And you take him off the ice for five minutes at a time where he's not out there still, even at like at this stage in the game at 33, 34 years old, he's now starting to do this into the territory where no one's ever done it for this long before. And like the fact that just universal acclaim for what he's doing. Oh, yeah. When you see your captain throwing hands out there, like, no, you want those hands throwing, (laughs) being thrown at the net Net. at a billion miles an hour at maximum volume as he has throughout his career. And we're focusing on that and not like, I don't know if anyone's been watching yeah, again, dovetailing back to what the Hawks need to do for the future. If anyone's been watching the Colorado-Calgary series, Nathan McKinnon is a huge problem. Yes. There are rocket boosters up his ass, and he <laughs> his wrist shot gets on net in full flight quicker than just about anyone I've ever seen. And he's not going anywhere. Granted, these games are West Coast. It's a Canadian market, you know, and everything. But like, like Sam said, like... Milwaukee's not a huge market, but Giannis is at the, you know, the talk of the water cooler, if that's even a thing anymore. Isn't I don't know. I'm well, the IT guy. I'm locked in the closet.
5: Markets the, don't matter. Right. Stars matter. That's what matters. Well, that's, and, that's
3: what uh, the NBA has figured out that the NHL Well, the
4: footnote is. to the Ovechkin thing is, is that fight inspired his team to have two shots over 40 minutes.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: like, it didn't do anything. All it did was concuss this poor kid right. who was misguided. So, I I mean, I, I, I just wish... I mean, you know, the only thing Gary Bettman ever has a spine to is standing up to the union, uh, which is easy to do. But like, I think he knows better. I think if you got a couple beers and Gary Bettman asked, "What would you, if you, if there were no, you know, there were no barriers, how would you market this league? What would you do this league?" He would tell you crap like that would be gone the next day. I think he knows, and I think he thinks he can't get away with it. But
5: just, just do it. Have the balls to do it. Look. When they put up nets because a child was killed (laughs) at a hockey game, people were mad about it for a little while. I grew up. I can't see. Don't even notice them anymore. After a week, you don't notice. Baseball's extended the nets, too. These little changes that people get all bent out of shape about, look at what
4: football's done. You
5: can't hit the quarterback. (laughs) It's never been more popular.
4: Well, and I I mean, just today we had the baseball fun police throwing at Tim Anderson and everyone thinks that's ridiculous, if that were a hockey game, everyone in NBCSN would be praising the Royals. Absolutely. Like yeah. they, they would go nuts for that shit. Like, oh, that's, that's how you lay down a code and send a message and tell them you're not going to be beat that way. And in every other sport, this is, everyone's just like, that's patently ridiculous. Like, if Javi Baez played hockey, he would have been ritually killed
3: by now. <laughs> What I loved about it is that to a man, everybody on the Royals denied that he threw at him on purpose. Too, <laughs> right, If exactly. you're so damn proud of your code, admit what you right, did. Right. You right. Instead, oh, it, it got away from me. No, it didn't. Right. Everyone saw what just happened. Like, if you're going to be Mr. Code Boy, man up and take responsibility. <laughs> at, le- at
0: least hockey has enough rocks on their seventh grade educated heads to <laughs> to just flat out say it. <laughs> you're right. It. Exactly. <laughs> right.
5: But I think that one funny thing, too, Ovechkin was the one person I heard. Even if it was, if he didn't truly mean it, he said, I hope the kid's okay. That was the first thing he said when asked about the fight. He's the one person right. I heard actually acknowledge Because he probably that,
0: knows exactly how hard he hit him. Right. Yes. Yeah,
5: it. Well, it's like connecting with a great golf shot, which I've never done, or a baseball <laughs> swing. You're, oh, I know I got that one. Right. When that's a face, I'm sure it's a similar feeling. That's
0: the, <laughs> there's that famous fight. It was Reed Simpson and Stu Grimson where Grimmer one-punched him and then just hands up. That's it. Yeah, right. And just skated away. Like, he knew he caught him right on the button, and that was that. Yeah.
4: John, you have you have thoughts still. I can no, tell. No, I think
2: the only thing, like, other than what you said, Sam, is in terms of the playoffs, I think the other, you know, talking point that always drives me crazy is what star player didn't perform well tonight. Right. And that's, like, the, the you could do that in every game. And, like, Austin Matthews, of course, is the target of every game. Oh, well, he got a new stick, and he scored a goal. Okay. He also had 35 – Scoring chances in the first two games, they just didn't go in, right? So, I think that's the other part about you know the NHL playoffs that that kind of is grading is just like what star player can we throw under the bus tonight because his team lost or you know he didn't score a goal because the goalie made an excellent
4: save because hockey hates their stars, right. like it's like hockey wants to glorify the third and fourth liners. And they're the reason, like, I mean, how much did we hear as kids about Chris Draper and Kirk fucking Maltby? Like, like, like they, won that, they won those guys because of, like, Fedorov and And, and yet Lister. all these guys are
0: Republicans and not socialists. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
4: so, like, they want to go So, like, yeah, John's right. If a star goes uh, game that's going, well, we can toss him on the bus because... I don't know. Johansson had a good game, or or no, know, not likely. Not likely, but like you know, who's who's a plug on Boston? I can name. They're all plugs, besides for that one line. <laughs> but like, um, and like, hockey is so desperate to do that. Whereas like, every game not a referendum. You're right. It's not basketball where you can keep getting the ball in the guy's hands and he's going to score. Or he's going to not. Um, but the star players are the reason you win. They're at least opening up space. They're at least taking top assignments. They're making it easier on the rest of your team. Uh, and hockey needs to figure that out. Like the talk this is the NHL playoffs is the time when you want everyone watching supposed to be the, uh, what's best about your sport. And they keep doing the opposite. And, and like, I don't remember the, I mean, okay. Patrick Hornquist is a dick bag, but like, I don't remember like the Hawks or penguins who have multiple cups ever engaging in this kind of crap. Yeah. Okay. Andrew Shaw has one suspension. And Duncan, Duncan Keith Zebra got suspended for clearing out buckets, but you know we all understood that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like that was it, and like even the, even his coach was kind of like that can't happen.
0: Well, and the Duncan Keith thing too, there was plausible deniability there, and Johnny O'Dea played the game of his life with right, right. with so, Duncan Keith suspended in L.A., so, so there's that too. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 a, like, but that was the thing though that the 07... Uh, ducks sort of paved the way and for the kings somewhat, the, but the everyone learned the wrong lessons from the king. Oh, yeah, they absolutely. were they were they were big and gross and angry, but in a productive way. <laughs> right,
4: and actually the fourteen kings, as we've written about so much time, the fourteen kings did what the Blackhawks did. They got fast. They got skilled. And they beat the Hawks at their own game, and then they went and pants the Rangers. Yep. Um, so the idea that the Haw- the Kings drooled and husked their way to two Cubs is actually just not true. And th- and they learned the wrong lessons from that because then they traded for Milan Lucic. So. Mm-hmm
3: personally i'm okay uh mischaracterizing that uh king's team i I, I like the idea of them is drooling idiots so i'm just going to (laughs) continue to live in ignorance please all right we are going to wrap up what has been a really eventful and productive and dare i say fun podcast i want to thank the boys from faxes from uncle dale sam mr fifth feather who was awesome of course and mr matt mcclure Absolute pleasure having all three of you guys here. I think it was really a good time. We'll definitely do this again at some point. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to throw it to uh, our resident sound master and our celebrity, Jay Zawoski, to wrap us up.
5: Yeah, that, well, that's it. You did a very good job. James, I'm very impressed with your emceeing uh, or sort of overseeing the entire broadcast. I am at
3: the head of the table today, yeah. so that kind of was necessary. You
5: did a great job. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsors, uh, Rabid Brewing, Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's, Chucks and Michael Elwood of Remax First Service Uh, this was a mostly commercial free episode we only have to throw commercials in because of our podcasting uh, server Um, but we did our best to give you an hour of unfiltered hockey we hope you enjoyed it and like James said we'll be doing this again maybe we'll do a season preview who knows we'll have a hopefully a lot to talk about and hopefully
3: the room will be cooler for it, that one. We'll
5: have to have a, an emergency roundtable for the Jordan Everly signing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ugly Patrick Sharp.
5: But for the guys, uh, for the guys at Faxes for Uncle Dale, James Naveau, Jay Zawaski here at the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you all for listening on both sides. If you're new to either podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. Where can uh, the audience find you guys? Uh,
4: they can find our blogs, uh, Twitter at Real Fans Program. Uh, I personally am at Fellsgate. Uh, Matt, you are Matt underscore McClure. Underscore. Underscore. D-
0: uh, M- Matt underscore McClure underscore.
4: And John is at at Fifth Feather. Uh, but start at Real Fans Program and go from there. Yeah. <laughs> so,
5: well, this is great, uh, Sam. Thank you for presenting the idea to us. We're super thrilled to do it. It was a great time. James, thanks to you and everybody here at NBC for accommodating us with a nice uh, studio to do this in. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast and the Faxes from Uncle Dale Podcast.
1: Me, 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 but also you.